0: So welcome back, the last evening of our retreat and uh, you know in this retreat uh, we are trying to support each other and uh, you know using the teachings to see ourselves and our world differently than usual. And you know we can take that risk because we are in community, we can support each other. And you know we have the refugees as a GPS on the path, and we have a lot of support to take that risk of seeing things differently than usual. And uh, tonight, you know, I wanna speak about uh, the two whipper of the one relating to Dukkha and the other one relating to Anatta or not self or emptiness. And, uh, you know, the Venerable Diknatan who just passed away a week ago or so, one of his most, um, well-known, uh, sayings is that we are here to overcome the illusion of separateness. And, uh, you know, in this time of the evolution of humanity on our planet, uh, you know what Buddhism has traditionally to say about uh, this sense of separation of the individual experiencing itself as separated from others that now really applies to us as a species, you know our experience of being separate from the planet has you know uh, you know resulted in, in a huge uh, problems for us with, uh, you know, with the climate crisis, which is simply also like a symptom of this uh, experience of separation, which is deluded really. And, you know, that's one of the very great issues of our time. And, uh, In this sense, you know, this practice is really a great service, you know, which we're not only doing for our own ease and happiness, but also, you know, a contribution for this most important work we would have to do, actually, as as a species, in order to simply survive here, you know. Because if we are not able to manage this um, step, then we're gonna become obsolete, really. And uh, so, if we make some kind of a progress in the realization of that truth, we also render great service, you know, to to all sentient beings, really. And you know, from psychology, we do know that babies, when they are born, they don't experience themselves as separate. They feel they feel merged you know with their mothers and then as a result of conditioning which is of course necessary and education and up that gets changed you know and, and children they are starting to experience themselves in the way how they are taught to experience themselves, you know, if we say, oh, you are really clever or you are stupid, then the child tends to internalize that and then becomes that. So, you know, our whole education system, all of that would need to be adjusted to what's really needed right now. And we have a long, long way to go, really. And, uh, And this, you know, this feeling of uh, needing to really, you know, be making it as a separate being, that it's it's very strong uh, conditioning we receive from our culture and there's always this accompanying, uh, you know, shadow of insecurity because it's based on on an assumption which is not really true, you know, as we have experienced in the meditation on the elements, we are not really separate. So if we are trying to pretend we are separate because we are taught that we are separate, but underneath we always have this nagging feeling, but maybe that, you know, we are not thinking maybe it's not true, but we experience that sense of insecurity because it's an assumption which is not really real. It has a function, of course, in order to live in community and, uh, you know, because on a level we are separate beings, but in reality we are not. So that feeling of insecurity, that feeling of Dukkha, is the natural accompanying shadow of the assumption of being separate. So those two, they really, they do belong together. And uh, there's always the feeling, you know, that something is missing, something is lacking, and then according to, you know, the times in history, there have always been different interpretations where that's coming from. For example, you know, in our area of Europe, we had Christianity telling us about the original sin, for example, you know, that this is the reason because we are kind of originally bad, or there was originally something not quite right with us. And that was a way, you know, trying to interpret what this innate feeling of insecurity is all about. And we got, you know, certain instructions if we do this, what the, you know, what the Bible says, or if we pay money and so on and so forth, we can't buy ourselves out of that. And it hasn't worked. And, uh, you know... And then later on, when when the power of the church, you know, was ever more diminished and consumerism came along with different interpretations, you know, why we have this sense of lack and insecurity. And, you know, tonight I'd like to speak a little bit about that, those so-called lack projects. And, you know, um, David Loy, who is an American eco-dharma teacher has uh, you know, spoken about those different lack projects, and the first one would be, you know, assuming we are we are not have enough money, and once we have enough money, that, that feeling of insecurity, that feeling of lack, will cease. So that can be you know one project to try to make enough money, but as you know and maybe not from your own experience, but from seeing, you know, how the so-called really rich people out there, there's never enough. They never stop, can never stop. Because it doesn't go away, the feeling of insecurity. Because it has nothing to do with money. It's a mindset. And then another leg project would be, you know, once I'm famous enough, Once I'm I'm, uh, one of the celebrities, I'll have that security, you know, of being loved, of being cherished, of being important. So that's another lack project, feeling unimportant, feeling unseen and, you know, trying to uh, arrive at a permanent state of security through that. And also that doesn't work. We can see, you know look into the uh, internet or wherever there's always these very uh, unhappy stories you know people who have been extremely famous and wealthy and you know suffering from depression and all kinds of things so obviously that's not working either and then another leg project would be uh, you know uh, thinking you know if i find the partner who is gonna complete me then i'm gonna be happy forever after you know that's not uh, saying that relationship is not a good support but if we expect you know one person to complete our ask and make us happy forever after that is a recipe for disaster that does not work so and another project would be you know our bodies that's especially you know directed towards women. If our bodies, you know, look like the bodies of the models on the covers of the magazines, then we're gonna be feel, you know, feel really uh, safe and secure because we know we'll be attractive. And then another one is, you know, once I have enough time, you know, that feeling of never having enough time, and always, you know, living, somehow living in the future. And, uh, you know, that living in the future, leaning into the future, devalues the present moment. And if we are not really able to be in the present moment, we don't have a real relationship to whatever we are with, because we are not fully here. And, you know, Laura was speaking about uh, when she was on retreat, in retreat in in Myanmar, the experience with the flower, for example, that she saw a flower, you know, in a way she hadn't seen it for a long time and maybe had seen it as a child. Because children, you know, they are not yet so caught up in those so-called leg projects. They still, you know, are coming with, with a fresh mind. And uh, so all of those uh, leg projects they they can't really relieve us from that feeling of insecurity, because that feeling of insecurity is is systemic, and it's part of our thought structure. You know we, are, we tend to think in uh, you know in, of course, in the language we have grown up mostly, or if we have lived for a long time in another country we might, you know, change that. But the first words a child learns are nouns. And nouns, uh, they completely miss the process nature of phenomena. So, you know, small children they are just taught first, the first words they learn are nouns. So that's already like a big... uh, Impact, you know, onto the mind, and from there on, you know, we we remo- we get ever further away from the way things truly are. So that's something really to consider, because you know, those leg projects, they they can never fill that uh, bottomless hole, you know, which is a symptom of of. Uh, not understanding the way things truly are. And through these different instructions, you know, we start to learn to look uh, at these thought structures, you know, we have inherited from our culture, from our family, from our upbringing. And, uh, you know, look underneath and see, you know, how they are kind of working together like a net of delusion you know which is thrown over our experience is added on top of our experience and through recognizing that we have a a chance to um, move out from it move out from underneath it and see it you know from Uh, from outside, you know, stepping outside of that net and seeing it for what it is. And in the beginning, you know, we can maybe only see it maybe in formal meditation in a, you know, particular precious moment, you know, where we can see that. But then, you know, once we have seen that for once, we can come back to it. And then through, you know, again and again, stepping out from underneath that net and seeing it from outside, it uh, slowly but surely, you know, thins out and breaks apart. And That's why it's so important, you know, with the Buddha's teaching, to really dwell in the present moment and start with our present moment experience. And, uh, you know, allow those cognitive and emotional filters to show themselves. And through that seeing, you know, they get penetrated again and again and again and uh, They get ever more uh, fragile, you know, until the time comes and they fall apart. And the Buddha said, you know, I teach Dukkha and about the end of Dukkha. And this, you know, feeling of lack is simply the shadow of the assumption that we are or that we have a separate self, because this is an assumption which is not based on reality. And if something is not based on reality, it is naturally insecure, because it's only, you know, kept together through uh, thinking, through conditioning, through patterns. And those, you know, four Vipalasa, there are four different ways, you know, how we can uh, look at those patterns. And uh, and because, you know, they are distortions of reality, really. And in the suttas, there is often this very beautiful um, passage, which which uh, suttas end. And I'd like to read that to you. So at the end of a sutta, we can read, when this was said, there, and then there's the name of the person said to the Blessed One. Magnificent, Master Gotama! Magnificent, Master Gotama! The Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gotama, as though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. I go for refuge to Master Gotama and to the Dhamma and to the Sangha. From today on, let Master Gotama remember me as a lay follower who has gone for refuge for life. So that's very, you know, telling. As so though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down, revealing what was hidden showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. So that's a very kind of apt way of, you know, speaking in particular to this, for Vipalasa. And to really take in, you know, the fact that They are not just bringing us personal suffering, but of course, you know, as a society, even as a species, it brings a lot of suffering to us and to many other species. That's something, you know, to allow that thought to come up. Because it's really quite uh, far-reaching, you know, this um, assumptions of separation and all of the other assumptions, seeing what is impermanent as permanent, seeing what is painful as pleasant, seeing what is without the Self as the Self, that's the three characteristics and then additionally seeing what is not beautiful as beautiful. And this fourth one is, I think, it's more, uh, its more, you know, seeing that this could really distract us very much from what needs to be understood, the fourth one. So this is a huge uh, subject, you know, those four vipalasa, and we can only give you like a small taste, you know, like a, fo- a small view through the window. And then you kind of look inside and see it for a moment and you can take that with you and come back to it reflecting on it again and again. So the Buddha said, I teach Dukkha and the end of Dukkha. And this feeling of Dukkha, or we can also call it this feeling of lack, feeling of insecurity, is the shadow of the assumption that we are a separate being. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we don't exist, of course, but It simply says we exist, but in a different way than what we think. We don't exist, you know, from our own side, but we are processes coming together of many different processes and when we were you know doing this meditation uh, on the elements it was a very clear opportunity to really see that and of course you know we need to see that many many times for for it to, to penetrate and really change us on a, on the level of the mind of the heart because the mind the heart they do adjust they do respond to this training Otherwise, it wouldn't be possible, you know, to leave behind ignorance. And it's not, a, you know, like a powerful fireworks or something like that. But it's it's that constant application, the, the looking again and again and again. It's this, um, you know, determination and and sticking with it. So having, you know, realistic uh, expectations of what the practice can do for us. And uh, it's, you know, uh, developing a certain discipline and, uh, you know, coming back to our motivation, what really um, inspires us, what really we would like to do, you know, with our energy. And, and setting clear priorities. And I think if we are reflecting in this way, you know, how far-reaching consequences, these uh, misunderstandings about our true nature, how far-reaching those um, are, that is really motivating for me. Because I, I can also, you know, serve others with uh, spending my time with looking at this. And I would like to you know, read that quote one more time. When this was said the dot 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 said to the blessed one Magnificent Master Gotama. Magnificent Master Gotama. The Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gotama, as though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. I go for refuge to Master Gotama and to the Dhamma and to the Sangha. From today, let Master Gautama remember me as a lay follower who has gone for refuge for life. So now we can maybe sit for about uh, 25 minutes And coming back to your body, bringing body and the mind together. You know, and feeling in your body if what you have been hearing, you know, that connection between our climate situation and. those, you know, wrong assumptions we have about ourselves and those misguided leg projects, you know, our cultures have developed. The connection between all of this, the huge repercussions of all of this. And, you know, we are just on a certain level of evolution of this species and we are very young species really, compared with the plants and many of the animals, you know, turtles and alligators and so on. They are around here many, 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 many million times more years than we are. but somehow we have made it to the top of the food chain. Even, you know, we are just like, maybe like teenagers or something, quite irresponsible and quite conceited really. and we urgently need to grow up and take some responsibility and you know using that uh, dukkha as an incentive for looking more deeply into our minds and hearts out of compassion for those who come after us You are not squandering this precious opportunity we have with having a human birth and having the teaching. So we have the basic equipment already. And I think, you know, in that recognition there is a lot of power because it's true. And we can feel it in our body, you know, if we are connecting to the truth. It might be you know still kind of challenging but also there is an energy which comes through which is leading onwards it's one of the uh, qualities of the Dhamma Upanaiko leading words because it's like a river and you know, that's why you know the first seeing of the unconditioned is called stream entry. And you know, that's when we are entering that river, and then when we are clearly you know on course. Yeah, and Dukkha is considered a motivator for us. And I think, you know, with us now as a species on this planet, the climate crisis is also considered an evolutionary driver for us to move on to the next step, to leave behind that. assumption of separation. And there are, you know, there are some human beings, indigenous, tribal, societies who don't experience themselves as separate yet because they haven't undergone that conditioning. We have undergone and we can actually learn from them about that. it's a very powerful time now and there's a lot of uncertainty but we do have you know very clear uh, teaching how to leave behind that need for certainty and trust into the Dhamma because you know we can only lose our ignorance really And that's really a good thing. Because, you know, this current situation shows us very clearly that we are not in control. It is exactly, you know, that uh, need for control, that fear of not being in control, which is one of the issues, which has created so much havoc, these leg projects. And to wake up to that situation is a great good fortune. Allowing, you know, life to speak for itself. Making oneself teachable, so to say, you know, listening. And having the humility and the courage to really being intimate with one's experience, and then inner responding from that. So, you know, if we are weaning ourselves off from this uh, 4 the Palassa, then uh, you know, life can speak to us much more clearly. Because it's always speaking, but we can't really hear it, we don't get it, because there's so many filters, emotionally and cognitive filters. which distort what we are hearing, what we are seeing, what we are experiencing. And from this distortion, you know, we respond in ways which are not very wholesome. So, I'm just allowing that all to sink in, and we can sit for another good 10 minutes. I'm going to ring the bell then afterwards. in a few minutes I'm going to ring the bell